Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. This week, the Breakers go for the three-peat and try to send out their retiring veteran Dylan Boucher on a high. A former Australian international gets the green light for the Black Caps. The Trans-Tasman netball competition gets nasty. We talk to the victim of one of the most blatant fouls ever seen on the court and ask Donna Wilkins whether netball now needs a sin bin. And BMX star Sarah Walker on her big comeback. First up, the Breakers' quest for a hat-trick of Australian National Basketball League titles begins Sunday night when they host arch-rivals the Perth Wildcats in Auckland in the opening game of the Best of Three Finals series. That match also marks the beginning of the end for one of the Breakers' founding members. 37-year-old Dylan Boucher won't be back in 2014. Boucher's played more than 200 games for the club. The only one to play more is Paul Hinare, who made 250 appearances. Stephen Hewson spoke to Boucher about winding down his career. Focus so much on winning this championship now. It's everything else has, I guess, become secondary to me. So for me, it's a case I'm very comfortable with my retirement, and I'm very comfortable sort of with my decision I've made. So I've tried to make this year as most as enjoyable as I possibly can, and I feel like I've done a good job of that. And it's just now, I've just got to finish off the job. No temptation to stick around for for 2014. No, a lot of people have been trying to trying to get me to come back, but no, definitely not. I'm I'm very comfortable with my decision, and it's not this time of year that that's hard for me. It's it's always the pre-season and and doing the hard yards in the off season and trying to keep the body in shape and and trying to keep the body injury free and things like that. That's that's the part that's really hard when you're winning and and you're at finals time. You know, everything else sort of becomes secondary. How does the the body feel at the end of each game, or how long does it take you to recover? Is it the knees, the back? What what's the toughest part to be honest lately i've been really good after games and you know i've been feeling pretty good the next day you know the joints are a little bit sore all around but everything else feels pretty good and for me my my biggest problem i've had throughout my career is my shoulders but this year they've been really good i haven't had any shoulder problems at all this year uh so yeah i've just just been picking up niggly little things along the way but right now i'm I'm feeling great I, i actually just tweaked my ankle today at training but Apart from that, everything else is feeling good. It feels right, does it, that the time is, is now to go? Absolutely. I mean, I contemplated doing it last year. I just felt like I still had enough in the tank and felt like I could still contribute quite a bit to the team. So I wanted to give it another go round, and I'm pleased I did. Uh, I've had a thoroughly enjoyable year, and it's given me a chance to, to say thank you to a lot of the a lot of the people and, and players that I've played with and coaches and things like that. It's given me, I guess, a a whole season to be able to know that that's what I'm doing and also um, understand that, you know, there's been a lot of people that have been an integral part of my career and uh, for me it's it's a part of being able to get, get closure on a lot of those things and a lot of people are people from, from Australia and, and, and around different parts of New Zealand as well. You've got the NBL though too, haven't you, ahead of you as well, so I suppose that's sort of not, not quite a, it's not a full retirement. No, exactly. No, I mean it's it's pretty much retiring from the from the Australian National Basketball League, but I'll continue playing in the New Zealand League, and and again I'll weigh up my future uh, probably during the season, during the when I play for the Wellington Saints, I'll be I'll be sort of weighing up my 
my season and, and to whether that's going to be my last or whether I'll continue on playing in that in that league. Because obviously the the I guess the, the 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 body is able to to have a bit more of a rest in that league. You don't play um, as many games. You don't train as much um, as long. So it's able to I guess stretch that season out a little. And you're moving into the Saints as an, in an assistant coaching role. Is that, is that where you see your future? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I feel like I've got a lot to offer um, the game of basketball and I'd like to continue coaching at um, various levels. Uh, but for right now, I'm just very happy being a player and, and, yeah, the assistant coach part of it is is obviously just trying to do some work with a lot of the young guys from the Saints and, and trying to, I guess, share my knowledge of the game and, and share a lot of the stuff that's helped me along as a as a youngster growing into a, to a veteran player. Coaching, though, you enjoy that side of it? I love coaching. I love... I guess one of my strengths as a player has always been my knowledge of the game and, you know, I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge that I can pass on to, to a lot of young players and, you know, I love doing that and I love seeing guys thrive on, on information that I've given them. So for me, I'll definitely, definitely have my hand in coaching. Um, like I say, it won't necessarily be a high level to start with, but it'll be um, at an intimate level of, of something that I can commit to at the time. A lot is made of, I mean... Shooting's not your, your strongest point, but your ability to to read a game, to know the flow of a game, to to find other guys on the court to go to is a big strength of yours that, that people talk about. Yeah, I think for me, it's I've, I've understood what what my role is on the team, and I've I've played to those strengths. And for me, that's that's part of teaching young guys and on on what their role is on teams and and what's expected of them. And, and a lot of times, guys play um, roles that aren't clear on teams, and it can can always cause confusion and things like that so for me it's about again sharing that knowledge and and making sure people understand what their role is on the team because when you're a youngster coming in you're not a superstar straight away and you've probably come from being a superstar so it's always hard to be able to find what your role is on the team and you know a lot of times it's not crystal clear from the coach and I guess that's that's what I'm trying to explain to a lot of young guys is you know just because you've been a superstar doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be one in the next team you go into, but doesn't mean you're not going to be eventually, but right then at the time that it is, it's just you need to play the role that's been asked of you. An appreciation of your own limitations too, means that you, you know your game better than many possibly? Yeah, absolutely. It's understanding your strengths and weaknesses on a basketball court, and for me, you know, I've, I understood that from a, from an early time early time because I needed to understand how I was able to sustain playing at the top level, and the only way for me to do it was to change the way I was playing. And for me, it was a it was a pretty easy decision because it was either that or probably not play at that level. So, um, again, understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are as a player is very very vital. Do, do egos then maybe get in the way for for many in, in basketball? That's generally the biggest problem is, is person's ego. You know, no one wants to be told that they shouldn't be shooting the ball. No one wants to be told that they're not the superstar. And a lot of times, that's the problem is, is dealing with people's egos rather than rather than their actual game itself. So, a lot of uh, I mean, you don't generally get to the top level unless you've got a bit of an ego and a bit and a bit of a self belief. So it's not it's not taking away that self belief. I guess it's channeling it in different areas. Is that different in basketball than to any other sport? Do you, do you think? No, no different to any sport. Any. I mean, I look at and I can I can see already with different different sports teams around New Zealand, you can see guys not understanding their role and not understanding what the game plan is that they're trying to go to, and everyone's trying to be the guy that that makes the magical play, and it's not always the case. Sometimes it is uh, a grinded out mentality that you have to go with, and you know, the Australians do that very well um, within their sports, particularly in, in rugby and rugby league. Now, do you see this playoff series against Perth? Is it going to be a three gamer? 
hopefully not. I would love to close it out in two, but we're really focused on game one right now. And if we can get game one under our belt, then we'll be very happy. Maybe just a, a quick word on, on Stephen Adams. What, what are your thoughts there, how he might go on that NBA draft? Stephen uh, has obviously declared himself available for the NBA, which is which is great for him. Um, you know, it's going to be a big ask to, to be able to fit it against the world's best. But, you know, he showed so much potential in, in what he's able to do on a basketball court. And I think the NBA... Um, teams are going to be all over and wanting him, wanting to be able to be the team that's going to be able to bring the best and Steve Adams out. So I, I wish him all the best, and I, I know he's he's a talented basketball player. So there's no doubt he's going to be able to make an impact on the on the NBA scene. You think he will will cope with it all? Oh, absolutely. I think he's going to. He's already had probably the toughest part when he, you know, his first year in college of all the people hyping him up and and you know people are trying to pull him in all different directions. And I think he's probably been through a lot of it now, so he understands that there's a lot of sharks out there and there's a lot of people that aren't just out there for his welfare. So I think for him he'll be able to he'll be able to first and foremost I think he will get drafted and then I think, you know, the rest is uh is up to him and obviously he's got a good work ethic and he's got an unbelievable potential of what he could be. So NBA teams that's exactly what they love in players. That's the Breakers for Dylan Boucher talking to Stephen Hewson. And this is Extra Time, a web only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. Netball and BMX to come. Now it's cricket. The former Australian player Luke Ronke's been named in the New Zealand One Day squad for next month's tour of England and the Champions Trophy tournament, also in England. Ronke was born in Danavirk but moved to Perth as a youngster. The wicketkeeper batsman signed with Wellington last year in a bid to break into the Black Caps, having played four One Days for Australia and three 2020 matches. Again, it's Stephen Hewson asking the questions about his call-up, which is important enough to Ronke to keep him away from the pending birth of a child. I got a phone call from Mike Hassan. He said, well, we're picking you in the, the ODI squad for England. So, obviously, well, as soon as I saw his name on my phone, you sort of think, oh, I wonder what this is about. And then he said that, and, yeah, pretty and pumped, to be fair. It's obviously pretty exciting sort of stuff to get that phone call. Saying I've I've been picked on the tour and stuff, so just over the moon about it, really. Did you think it would take a year or so? Has it come a bit sooner or a bit later than you might have anticipated? Oh, I didn't really know, but it was just um, the goal was to come over and, and and to play. Really, I didn't care if it took women six months or women as long as it needed to. It was to come over and hopefully perform domestically and then get that chance. So at the moment, it's been going quite well. So hopefully now, if I get a chance in England, then. Um, I could sort of perform it and try and just cement a spot, I guess. I suppose you might not be as nervous coming into the Black Caps environment as a, a straight newcomer, given you've had some international experience with Australia. Uh, no, no, I'll still be bothered nervous. Um, it's it's just yeah, a new team to to get into, and and um, you want to perform for the for the team and stuff like that. So your nerves are going to be there, and and you sort of. It's just the way I've always played cricket. Nerves are there, and if I don't, if I'm not nervous, then something's different, and I'm not sure what's going on. So um, I'll be nervous when I get involved with it all. But it's always a good nervousness. I think it's sort of excitement and stuff like that, and sort of wondering what's going to happen and stuff. So it's it's going to be really, really good. It must be nice knowing though that you can play in that environment and, and are up to it though, having what, four one-days for Australia, and you've had a couple of seasons in the IPL as well, so, I mean, it's all big stage-type stuff. It is, but it's it's still, I mean, that was a few years ago, and it's and it's different cricket again. Um, you're still, like, I haven't played for that long. I've got to try and get back in. You've got to, you want to perform. You don't want to sort of go there and sort of make up numbers. So 
Um, still got a lot of hard work to go before these games happen and a lot of hard work during the game. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that challenge. Have you had to change any off-season plans, given you're now in the, in the squad? Were you set to go back to England or, or play any league cricket? Uh, no, the only, the only thing, we're having a baby at the start of June. So um, my wife, unfortunately, is going to have to get some of her family over or mum over or something to help out there because I'll be away. Um, but uh, one way it's awesome that it's happened, another way it's unfortunate because I can't be here for the birth of our, of our second child. But it's, um, I guess it's the way it goes, really. Coming over and playing in New Zealand, playing in the domestic competition, how have you found that compared to your time in Australia? How, how different is it? The pitches here are really flat. Um, there weren't too many. A couple of days we played on a couple of green ones, but apart from that, there wasn't too much of a worry there. And um, I think the biggest thing is just the depth of the cricket. I mean, there's population here compared to Australia. Um, that's where, like, your main sort of core group of players are, are really, really good. And then it's sort of, once you get outside of the, the contract lot and you're sort of having to look into other things, it just, it drops off a bit, but that's just the, the population, really. I mean, it's, there's nothing you can do about it, but the, the first-class system, players playing in that are good and, and are performing, which, which shows, I guess, that it's still a really good competition. That's new black cap Luke Ronke talking to Stephen Hewson. The former New Zealand captain Daniel Vittori returns to the one-day squad after eight months out of international cricket with an ankle injury. Mitchell McLennigan also returns after an injury break. New Zealand play England in three one-dayers before taking part in the Champions Trophy beginning on June 6th. The Wellington pace bowler Mark Gillespie and Auckland batsman Martin Guptill return to the Test squad for the two matches in England in an otherwise unchanged line-up from the squad which drew the three-test series against England here last month. This is Extra Time. Still to come, we check in with BMX star and Olympic silver medalist Sarah Walker, who's on the comeback trail after a bad shoulder injury. The third round of the ANZ Netball Championship sees a New Zealand side play an Australian team in each game. The Central Pulse are showing signs of improvement and are looking for a win at home against the New South Wales Swifts. The side went down by only two goals last weekend to the Firebirds, but it wasn't the scoreline that had fans talking. Pulse shooter Donna Wilkins received a hip in the back from Queensland defender Laura Geitz, and that caused her to call an injury time in the second quarter. Zoe Ferguson spoke to Wilkins about netball's non-contact status, fair contesting of the ball, and what can be done to limit similar incidents. At this level, you've got to expect the physicality to be there. Everyone's going for that same ball. Um, you're in a confined space, there's bigger bodies, especially in the goal circle. You know, you've got four six-footers generally, plus the Jamaicans in there as well. They've got that extra height, and even some of the Australian girls like Bassett, you know, there's a lot of height in that circle, and... Uh, not a lot of room. So you expect a lot of on-ball contact. So yeah, the whole non-contact sport yeah, goes completely out the window. have been talking about the fair contesting of a ball. I mean, how do we define something like that at this level of netball? Look, I think it's really difficult. And I was talking to um, one of the umpire examiners on the way home, because she's from Southland, um, after the weekend's game. And I said it's really hard on the umpires. Um, I play a lot of basketball as well. Not so much now, but I used to. And um, they shifted from two referees to three just because the game was getting a bit more physical it was getting harder for the referees to see and whereas in netball it's really hard on them because they've got their controlled zones where they umpire and what they can and can't call 
even if one umpire sees it, they can't overrule. So, and it's tough on them to be able to see through people and like, you know, they're around on the baseline looking through, but it's pretty hard on them to be able to pick up everything, you know, especially at this elite level when everyone's pushing for the, the ideal spot on the circle edge or in the circle or off the line. So I would like to see them sort of adapt a, a style like basketball and maybe bring in another umpire or even be able to rule one in the circle and one on the area outside the circle when you're down in those areas because that's where all the physicality is. Yeah, you copped a bit this this week, didn't you? I mean, especially... Oh, just a little bit. Just especially that elbow on the back. But, I mean, that was quite an interesting scenario because you could argue that that definitely wasn't fair contesting of the ball. Oh, look, I, I was quite disappointed in that, to be honest, because, I mean, I was just standing there and... I actually felt like it was such a direct blow that I actually thought she had driven a knee into my back. I know that when I'm out on the court and I'm going for a ball, I know I'm going to get hit. There's going to be times I'm going to fall over, but you don't really... And I think that was the shock of the whole situation, that I was actually just standing there doing nothing, waiting for maybe a rebound. It was a bit disappointing. I think it was even more disappointing to see some of their bench laughing, so it was obviously a malice intent. So disappointing for the game, but at the end of the day, I don't think it resulted in the in the final outcome of the game, of the score but it did result in the fact that we couldn't use an injury time in that third quarter. Do we bring in harsher penalties, or do we just stick with the stock standard contact penalty? It's up to the umpires. They can give a warning, and they can stand players off for two, three, four goals, or however many goals that the umpires decide. You know, it's not seen very frequently in netball, so they're probably more likely to advance the penalty than send somebody off. The umpires have to be in in the right place to be able to see it. So for Christy argument's sake was on the baseline so she had to see through me and through another player to see what actually happened whereas the umpire on the other side that can't rule probably would have got a good view of it so there's a lot of scenarios I guess you probably were more likely to see an advancement than a a sin binning affair. Zoe Ferguson with Donna Wilkins for Extra Time. Zoe also spoke to Sarah Walker the New Zealand BMX Olympic silver medalist. Walker's back from a serious injury, dislocating her shoulder before the 2012 London Olympics, and she underwent surgery afterwards to rectify the problem. This week, Walker was named in the New Zealand team for the BMX World Championships, which are being held in Auckland in July. Walker says she has those champs, as well as Rio 2016, in her sights. I dislocated my shoulder just before the Olympics and didn't really have time to do anything about it, so I just toughed it out through the Olympics and... After they went and got surgery to fix the damage that I've done. So I've only been on the bike one week. What kind of rehabilitation have you been doing with your with your injury? Been trying to keep my leg strength relatively good, but with my um, shoulder injury, I was completely immobilised for six weeks. I slept in a chair for the three weeks, and <laughs> it was a bit of an um, experience, that's for sure, but... This last week I've been riding my bike, which has been absolutely amazing. I missed it so much. (laughs) It feels good. So what have you been doing for the last week on your bike? Just learning to ride it again, basically. I've never had more than two months off my bike so since I was 10, so to have five months off, I wasn't sure how I was going to go when I came back, but things are going really well. I was actually quite surprised and I feel really good on my bike. I guess now you're looking forward to uh, the championships that are happening in Auckland. Do you think this injury is going to impact you or affect you for this competition? I think it's a little bit too soon to tell. I probably would have said yes originally um, while I was going through my recovery but after a week on my bike how good I feel already uh, potentially it might not have any impact at all which would be amazing but 
yeah, the, the test of time will tell and I'll be training as hard as I can to be as fast as I can by, by the World Championships in July. And it must have been nice to be selected for the team as well. Well, you never know what's going to happen um, having the whole season, New Zealand season off while everyone's racing over here. I had to apply for exemptions to be able to be considered on previous results, but at the same time I still have to prove that. I'm going to be good enough to become the world champ. So it was never a guaranteed spot. So it's kind of a relief to be named and now I can just focus on training as hard as I can through to the world. It's just little steps. There's not any big races coming in in New Zealand between now and world champs. So I can't really prove myself against the Kiwi girls, but I can at least show that I'm making progress and getting back to where I was at the Olympics and also hopefully continue on from there and get a little bit faster. So who's going to be your, your biggest competition for the championships? I wouldn't have a clue who's going to be the biggest competition, to be honest. The, the hardest thing for me is being able to get there with enough confidence and the right skills and enough strength to be able to perform to my best at that point in time. And hopefully it's enough to make it through to the finals and then hopefully from there, who knows what will happen. But <laughs> it was kind of one of the, the sacrifices I had to make when I decided to get surgery would be I knew I wouldn't be giving myself the best opportunity to perform uh, the world champs in my own country, but at the same time, it was big picture. I wanted to go through to Rio and be the best there. So hopefully it's not impacted my performance at Worlds too much, but at the same time, I know that my shoulder's going to be good going through to Rio, and, and that's the big picture, and that's the most important to me. It was a tough decision to, to choose to get surgery, but... It was also an easy one, I guess, because they told me that the chances of it re-dislocating were 75 to 90%. So, I mean, it was going to go out eventually over the four years because there's 100% of us crashing every year. So <laughs> it's just part of the sport. So if I was going to have crash and it was going to come out, I might as well get it fixed when it suited me rather than having to, to miss a whole se- international season or world champs in my own country. So... Hopefully I've done the right thing <laughs> and hopefully it pays off and yeah, I'll be doing everything I can. Sarah Walker talking to Zoe Ferguson. And that's the show for this week. We spoke with Dylan Boucher, Luke Ronke, Donna Wilkins and Sarah Walker. Thanks for listening. Feedback's always welcome. Email sport at radionz.co.nz. Remember you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. While well, we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Richard Wayne. Bye for now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.